I've been on a couple of weeks now on a, the subject of staying strong in a sinking world. Because we're in a sinking world. We're in a world gone mad in a lot of ways, morally mad. Uh, violence covers the Middle East now, it's only escalating. And here in America, we're so confused and divided, angry, hostile, violence uh, from coast to coast. And it just seems like it is a sinking world. But here's the thing. So what is God looking for? A strong church. He's looking for a strong church. Now, the only way a church is, should be strong, or put it this way, the primary strength we want is in the inner man. The inner man. Paul said, I pray for you that God would infuse inner strength into you goes into your inner man. When the Bible describes the boyhood of Jesus and the boyhood of John the Baptist, it says Jesus grew mighty in spirit and in wisdom. In his spirit, he was mighty. John the Baptist, his boyhood is described one way. He grew mighty in spirit. So of all the things that God could point out about the boyhood of John the Baptist and Jesus, he points out, the strength of their inner man. You can be muscular on the outside and very weak on the inside. We focus so much in America on outer appearance, but not God. God looks at our inner man, our heart, and that's what he wants strong. So we've been talking about uh, getting that inner man strong, the importance of the inner man being strong, your spirit man, all of you have one, and that spirit man has been born again. But then it's to be fed, it's to be cultivated, it's to be um, watered. We want sunlight on it, S-O-N light. We want the inner man growing strong. So today I'm going to talk to you about something that will attack the growth of your inner man. And I'm going to show you how to stay strong. All right? And that is overcoming offenses. Now, I know nobody in here ever gets offended, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Okay? Now, watch this. Overcoming offenses. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he says, Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now look at verse 11. Here's why we forgive. Here's why we don't walk around offended. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices, traps, snares, schemes. Plots, plans that hell hatches against you and me. We're not ignorant of it, but I'm going to ask you a question. Are we? Are we ignorant of his devices? Well, I think a lot of the time when it comes to offenses, we're ignorant. So I'm going to show you what it says today. Unless uh, Satan should take advantage of us, we don't want the devil taking advantage of us. Father, thank you for your word. I'm asking that your word penetrates our heart. I'm asking you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand, and to grasp the importance of this today. 
Lord, I pray that not one person leaves here with an offended heart. I pray give us wisdom to overcome offenses, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, offense-free. You can be seated. Now, if you were to ask me um, what Satan's number one weapon is against Christians and the church, I would, without hesitation, without even having to think about it, I would say offenses. Offenses. That's Satan's number one, most successful. That's why he keeps using it, because it's successful. Weapon against the church is offenses. And when you and I walk around offended, we're not growing. We're not growing in our spirit, man. We're not growing strong. As a matter of fact, the offense weakens us. And as we're going to see in a minute, it literally freezes us in time. We are frozen in time where the offense happened. We live there. If we don't deal with it, we'll build a house right there on a fence street. We'll build a house right there. But it's a cul-de-sac. You just go around in circles and you go nowhere. We'll build a house on a fence street. Now, we really need to understand offenses. Because I want you to know, how quick would you get rid of a rattlesnake in your living room? Immediately. Most of us take an offense like, eh, I'm offended, no big deal, that's what we humans do. But, but I look at offense this way. For me, it's to be feared. I fear the result of an offense if I don't handle it. I fear what it'll do to me if I don't handle it. I fear the poison that it will inject into my spiritual life if I don't handle it. One of the terrible legacies of political correctness is political correctness taught we Americans this one thing. The golden rule, the the golden calf, if you will, of American culture is don't offend somebody. If they don't live like you, don't tell them it's wrong. Be careful. You walk on tiptoes and you don't offend anybody because to offend somebody is the cardinal sin. So don't offend anybody. So because that message got out there, it muzzled the church. We don't tell people you need to repent of sin and come to Christ because we don't want to offend somebody. So I want to encourage you, church, don't let political correctness muzzle you from telling people the truth. So uh, we're all going to be offended. Most of us have been offended in the last month, and chances are you're going to be offended before this week is out. Somewhere along the way, you're going to experience an offense. So let's understand it. In the New Testament, the word offense can mean several things. For instance, Jesus said that he came not to bring peace, but a sword, meaning the gospel would bring offense and, and, and a, a division. You know, Paul talked about the offense of the cross. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When you talk to people about Jesus, there's an offense to it. Because don't tell me I need to live different. Don't, need, don't tell me my lifestyle is wrong. Don't tell me I need to repent. And, and we take this tact, we take this, this, this position, this posture of, of um, don't talk to me about the need to change my life, and it offends. But the gospel is supposed to offend. 
Jesus and the cross, they are an offense. Amen. So first, there is a fence over the gospel of Christ. But here's a second meaning to offense. Offense also refers to a person who seeks to trip up a believer in their walk with Jesus through something like false teaching or temptation. Offense can mean you put a stumbling block in front of somebody. You are being used of the enemy, maybe unwittingly, to to put a, a... a reason to stumble in front of a believer's path. For instance, Jesus told Peter, you are an offense to me. Because Peter had tried dissuading Jesus from God's will by going to the cross. Peter said, far be it from you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. What was Jesus saying? Peter, you're putting in front of me a stumbling block. You're trying to dissuade me from the will of God. So it's, it's an offense. And Jesus used that word, offense. You're an offense to me, Peter. Didn't make Peter's day. But that's what he was doing. The Apostle Paul warns us to be careful of ever causing an offense uh, that causes a brother or a sister to stumble. 1 Corinthians 10.32, don't give offense. Don't give offense. He's talking to believers here. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or to the church of God. Don't give offense to the church of God. Don't put a stumbling block in front of people, in front of anybody that would cause them to stumble. In other words, do your best to never give somebody a reason to turn aside from the right path. Do your very best. You're not going to be perfect with it. I'm not going to be perfect with it. But we can really work at never put something in front of a believer that will cause them to veer off the right path. Because there you're being an offense. Jesus warned in Mark 9.42, Whosoever shall cause one of these little ones that believe in me to stumble. That's the same word. Be offended. To fall away from the faith or fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck than you would cause one of these little ones to be offended and stumble and trip up and get off the right path. Now, that's no way to die. A millstone tied, talk about mafia, millstone tied around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. Jesus said, better that you go that way then you cause somebody to stumble off the right path. Strong words. So there's the offense of the gospel, and there's the offense of causing someone to stumble and to sin. But there's one more type of offense. And and that's the one I want to talk about today, because this type of offense is the one the devil uses against the church all the time. And against you as a believer, and marriages, and friendships, and businesses... Anything that has the name of Christ on it, Satan uses this kind of offense. It means when you make somebody angry, or you harm them, or wound them, or hurt them. That's a type of offense. You're called, you, you know, we say, I'm offended. Well, what do you mean by that? You have hurt me. You have angered me. You have... Uh, uh, I'm dealing with some real emotions because of what you said or did. 
I'm stumbling. I'm tripping up over this. Somebody says or does something that angers you, wounds you, hurts you on the inside. You're wounded. You're bleeding on the inside. Your soul is bleeding. You're limping on the inside. Bleeding people coming to church all the time, limping from offenses. The sad thing is, nationwide, there's millions of people who are not in church today because somebody offended them. And so instead of being spirit-driven, they're being offense-driven. And that offense now is defining their whole life. Isn't that sad? Now, the Greek word for offense is scandalon. That's the Greek word, scandalon. I like to put it this way. When you're offended, wounded, hurt, angered by something somebody says or does, you've got a scandal going on inside of you. Scandalon. There's a scandal going on. Uh, the word scandalon, we get scandal from it. And, 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 and scandalize. Somebody scandalized or uh, hurt you. You're scandalized. You've got a scandalon going on in your life. Um, and here's the thing. When the Greeks used... This word, it always referred to the bait in a trap. It was the bait in a trap. So for our purposes today, here's what it means. When you get offended, that's the bait in Satan's trap to trap you if you don't deal with it right. If you and I don't deal with offenses biblically, the way Christ taught and the Bible teaches, then that, then that bait, that offense, is going to set you up to be trapped. Just like that. Uh, in a mouse trap, we would say the offense is the cheese. The mouse has no idea as he begins nibbling on that cheese that a trap is about to snap down on his head and take his life. Okay? That's the idea of offense. It's the bait in the trap. So you and I get offended. That's the cheese. And Satan is really hoping you don't respond right. Because then he can bring it down on your head and, and really hurt you spiritually and a lot of other people with you. A lot of times we don't even realize we're being set up by the devil with an offense so that it would trap us and freeze us in life. I think of Lot's wife. Here's Lot's wife. She was told, don't turn around and look back. In other words, don't look back on your past. Don't focus on the past. Focus on the future. Where I'm taking you. Where I'm taking you now, God said. Don't focus on the past. Sodom and Gomorrah, but focus on the future. She turned around and she was frozen in time. She became a pillar of salt. What's the message there? If you live in the past, it has a way of crippling and paralyzing all forward movement. Oh, yeah. And, and you become frozen in time. Now, instead of being defined by Christ, you're defined by the offense. You wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it, you go through all the day thinking about it. Offended what they said, what they did, how could they, how dare they. They this, they that, they the other. And that offense, like a rattlesnake in the living room of your soul, is poisoning you. Poisoning me. Jesus spoke a woe over those they become ensnared by offenses. When Jesus speaks a woe over something, you need to say, woe. Right? Here's what he said. It's inevitable that offenses will come. Jesus said, it's guaranteed. Offenses are going to come. 
But woe to the one through whom they come. Woe to the offender and woe to the offended. So the question is, when offended, will you bite the bait and be trapped by the offense? Or will you take, uh, refuse to take the bait and forgive and move on down the road? Amen? So let me reiterate, here's the deal. There's no way that you and I are ever going to achieve and sustain a strong inner life if we're walking around with an offense, a grudge, an unforgiveness, a bitterness. No, because we're frozen in that moment. We stop there. Spiritual growth stopped there. It stopped there. Notice that Paul links failing to forgive with Satan getting an advantage. That means... He, he's allowed to cheat you and me. He's allowed to cheat us out of God's best. He said, lest Satan should take advantage of us because we're not ignorant of what he's up to. We're not ignorant of his, his, his desire to ensnare and trap us in an offense. The, the idea is you carry the spirit of offense uh, and, and you give the devil the upper hand. Now you, you're not a, a believer, you're an offended person. And everywhere you go, People learn about your offense. We leave churches over the tiniest offenses. We let the littlest things, things that 50 years ago would never have knocked us out of the saddle. But now we're so sensitive to offense, we're really a bunch of babies. I'm serious. They said this, they did that. Listen. Fifty years ago, you would have overlooked it and moved on, maybe even laughed at it, but now they offended me. I am. The NIV says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. NLT says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. The ERV says, so that Satan would not win anything from us. We give him land when we walk around offended. We know very well, the verse goes on to say very well what his plans are. Well, what are his plans when you and I are offended? Somebody said something. Somebody did something. You're hurt. You're wounded. You can't believe it. You're walking around. And here's the deal. Our adversary's plan with an offense is to dive bomb your walk with Jesus by turning your focus off of him and onto the offense. Now, you're all about the offense. You're all about the offense. And not him. You've gotten sidetracked. You've gone from the field to the bleachers. Now you're all about the offense. And all somebody's got to do is talk to you for five minutes and out it comes. It's defining you. It's guiding your life. It's driving you. Instead of being spirit-driven, now you're offense-driven. You're angry. Not praying much anymore. Not in church anymore. Um, The walk you used to have with the Lord is a distant memory because now it's the offense. And that's the power of an offense. Like I said, I don't... I'm not afraid of it in an unhealthy way, but I'm afraid of the effects of it if I don't get rid of it. I refuse to give an offense longer than a 24-hour shelf life. I'm not going to give an offense the power to steal from me. There is no human being worth my walk with God. 
Not one. Let me give you a few signs that characterize an offended person. How do you know if you're offended? Let me give you a couple of signs. Number one, the number one sign is division. Division. That's the number one sign of offense. Division. Offense brings division every time. If you're offended, it's going to bring division. If you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. It's Satan's favorite weapon to divide and conquer a marriage, a church, a business, a friendship, a fence. It puts a wedge between you and the person that offended you. Proverbs says a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. You're going to have more luck conquering a city by yourself than you are an offense if you don't deal with it right. Contentions are like the bars of a castle, he says. So offense puts bars between you and the offender. Bars. I can't believe they said that, did that, went there, did that to me, and up the bars go. Up they go. When an offense happens, you and I have a decision to make. The minute that we're offended, we have a decision to make. Am I going to handle it scripturally? Here's the second option, and I promise you this is what will happen every time. Uh, You're going to sow discord and trouble out of your offended heart. And I'm going to show you how that works. If you, you and I, we're no different, I promise you, if you and I don't deal with an offense by quickly forgiving, then here is the pattern it's going to take. First, you will nurse it. You'll nurse the offense. That means you're going to coddle it. You got it right here. And here's what you're saying to yourself. I have every right to be offended. They did this. They did that. Those dirty scoundrel rascals I'm going to be offended because I've got every right to be offended. Anybody would be offended. So I'm going to be offended. And instead of dealing with it, we coddle it. As soon as I'm offended, I know i got a rattlesnake in my soul. And that's the way I want us to look at it. It's not something that you go, well, maybe someday, some way, I'll handle it. No, you need to handle it quick. Don't nurse it. Don't justify remaining offended. Well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. That's fine. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So you nurse it. Then the second uh, stage in the pattern, you rehearse it. You're going to nurse it. You're going to rehearse it. That means you continually recall in the theater of your mind the offense, how it went down, what they said, what they did. You, You got your mind on a constant rewind, and you're going back to the event that hurt you. Over and over again, you're rehearsing it. And the more you rehearse it, the madder you get. Amen, Pastor Jeff, I know that's right. And then finally, if you don't deal with it, and you're nursing it and rehearsing it, you're going to disperse it. An offense will never stay alone. The offended person always wants people on their side. 
Are you with me? Now I'm going to meddle a little bit, but I meddled with me before I'm meddling with you because I have to study this and deal with my own heart. So get ready. But I got to tell you, if you don't deal with an offense, here's the pattern. You will nurse it. You will rehearse it. And you can't help yourself. You will disperse it. You're going to tell others. The Bible says without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, strife dies down. When there's no wood, the fire goes out. The NLV says, where there's no one telling secret stories about others, strife stops. And so often, the gossiping person is the offended person. And and so we're not happy to just keep it to ourselves. No, we want people, here's the thing, dispersion brings division because we want people on our side. So we make phone calls. I didn't call to gossip. I'm not gossiping. I just needed to tell you what they did so you can pray. Because I know you're a prayer warrior. I just need somebody to pray with me. No, 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 you don't. Come on, quit lying. You're calling them to disperse it. And you're covering it up with a Christian coat. Come on. (laughs) So I just called you to tell you what they did. Let me tell you in blow-by-blow detail what they did. But then you can pray for me. And you can pray with us. But here's what happens. As it gets dispersed, it's us against them. That's what's created. We against them. If it happens in a business, if it happens in a church where there's a lot of people, you got half the church with the offended, half the church with the offender, and now you've got a divided church. And Satan is so happy because the church's strength is in its unity. Unity is strength. A marriage's strength is unity. A friendship's strength is unity. A business's strength is unity. And so Satan goes in to to divide it. What's his favorite weapon? Offense. The offender and his team against the offended and their team. And that's deadly for the body of Christ, deadly for a marriage, deadly for a business, deadly for a friendship. Paul said, mark them that are causing divisions and occasions of stumbling. In other words, mark those that are causing offenses in the church. Contrary to the teaching which you learn and avoid them. I'm going to answer that. (laughs) Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. He let us know, not only does offense bring division, but if you're offended, I promise you, your love is being destroyed. Offense destroys love. Listen to what Jesus said. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you. You'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now watch carefully what he says next. Then shall many be, what everybody? Offended. Now look what the offended do. Look at the byproduct of offense. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Offense destroys love. And we're to walk in love. By this shall all men know you're my disciples. By how you hate one another, disagree with one another. No, by how you love one another. But you let an offense get in there and things get nasty. Because now betrayal sets in. There's no more allegiances. Loyalty goes out the window. Because now I'm offended. And offended brings division. So 
Betrayal comes in and hatred instead of love. And this is written to believers. You remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they hated Jesus. They, they were offended at Jesus. It says that constantly they were offended at him and what he said. And it drove them crazy. So they hated him and wanted to kill him, and that's what they did. But it began with offense. I've seen this firsthand with people I know through the years. An offense goes down for whatever reason, and they nurse it, they rehearse it, and then they start to disperse it through anger and resentment, and it starts infecting a lot of others, not just them. See, because you can't hear, and I can't hear, the, the words of an offended person and forget what they told me. The words of a, of a talebearer, one that is going around spreading offense, are like morsels of food that go into the innermost parts of the body. In other words, the words of the offended person are literally digested by your soul. It's hard to forget. It's hard to see the person through the lens of Christ what you're going to do is you're going to see them through the lens of what you heard. And, and now my spiritual growth, my strong inner man, has stopped. He's quenched. Grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. So, so I'm not growing now. And that's exactly what the devil wanted. It's exactly what he wanted through offense. I got offended. It's the cheese. I start nibbling on it. Bang! If I don't deal with it. I'll never forget, I was at a table full of preachers. They were all big shots. I was a little shot among big shots. And I'm just listening. And one of them popped off and said something about another preacher who I loved. I watched him every, every week before church because it helped me be fired up for church. But he said this about this preacher. And one day I'm driving to church and it occurred to me, I haven't watched that guy in months. Why haven't I watched him? And then I realized because of what I heard. So I said, Lord, forgive me. And I went right back to watching him. That's the power of a dispersed offense. I know this is strong, but I love you enough to tell you these things so that you don't get ensnared by this junk. We don't need to be ensnared by this junk. So how do you overcome it? I'm going to give you two quick ways to overcome You already know the first one, forgiveness. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Whether you, the offense was unintended or it was intended and nasty, it was intended to hurt you. Wh- whatever the motive was, we've got to immediately forgive. You say, well, they don't deserve it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I tell myself. Neither did you. Neither did you. We've got to forgive. We've got to forgive. You say, but Pastor Jeff, I don't feel it. You never will feel it. Hello? You're not going to get some warm fuzzy to forgive somebody who hurt you, wounded you. Uh, You're not going to, oh, I just feel so full of love. I want to forgive them now. It's not going to happen. So what do you do? You say it. 
I fa 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 fa. I forgive. I forgive them. Forgiveness is not a feeling; it's an act of obedience. So, here's the thing. So you forgive. Now, James said, James said, you see that great big ship on the ocean? Look at that huge ship. Now, let's say that ship is headed towards the shore and it's about to shipwreck. How is it turned? A little rudder under the water you can't even see turns the whole thing. That's your tongue. You say, I forgive. Here's this whole ship, this giant offense. You've been mightily affected by it. You can't handle it. You're not navigating. How do you get out of it? I forgive them. And that little rudder under the water, that little member in between your two sets of teeth, turns your whole life. And you avoid the shipwreck. I'm telling you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. And second, you've got to eat some humble pie. If you're going to forgive, you've got to eat some humble pie. If you're going to get rid of an offense, you've got to eat some humble pie. Can I tell you this? Humble pie is better than warm crow. I'd rather eat humble pie than have to eat warm crow down the road. Okay? So I'm going to eat humble pie. How do you eat humble pie? you got to admit something to yourself. Be truthful. You've offended people. You and I have offended people. You and I have missed the mark a million times. You and I have needed God's forgiveness. And you and I have needed the forgiveness of others when we didn't deserve it. And, and somebody gave it to us. So you got to eat humble pie and tell the truth about yourself. You want to know how to get humble? Tell the truth about yourself. Just tell the truth. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Whatever gifts I have, they were given to me. I didn't come up with it. If not for Jesus, I'd be lost and going straight to hell. I, I, I'm a product of grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. I want everybody to say that with me. I am what I am by the grace of God. That's it. That's the truth. You tell yourself the truth about yourself and it'll humble you. So you say, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ, or just as in Christ, God forgave you. God forgave me. Here's the way I look at it, and I close with this. Here's the way I look at it. Somebody hurts me. There are people in my life, in all honesty, I've had to forgive hundreds of times. There are offenses that came to me. Years back, I've had to forgive Probably hundreds of times. Because it'll start rising up. You know how, what the feeling? You're going down the road, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're thinking about what they did. Things are going great. You're listening to gospel music or some message on the radio, and all of a sudden, here comes this fire arrow. Do you remember what they did? Before you know it, you're mulling over it, you're getting cranky on the road. You're not letting people get in front of you. You're chasing. You're, you're competing with them, racing down the road. You're not getting in front of me. All of a sudden, you went from being in the spirit to in the flesh, and you are stewing over it. 
I know how the devil works. So what do you do? You've got to forgive again. Say it. I forgive. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So here's the thing. Jesus forgave me trillions of dollars worth of sin. How about you? Because your sin and my sin, right? Your sin and my sin, put him on the cross. Right? Your sin and my sin, put him on the cross. So, since he bled and died for me, and my sins put him there, I can forgive you millions if he forgave me trillions. Right? I can forgive you thousands if he forgave me millions. Nothing you do to me can equal what I did to him. Nothing. So when I remember that, I say, how can I not forgive them thousands when he forgave me millions? Right? Stand up with me, would you? I know this has been not a jump up and shout message. That's good. That's fine. I love it when you're quiet because I know you're thinking. But here's the thing. Don't let an offense cripple the strength of your inner man. It's a, it's a demonic, satanic plan and plot to get you walking around with an offended spirit and, and not free not free. Amen? Not free. I know some of you were abused. We had some folks like that in the first service. You were abused. And what was done to you was terrible. Unspeakable. Some of you. And boy, is it hard to forgive. But listen, As long as you don't forgive, they're controlling you. They're controlling you. They're dictating the terms of your future. Wow. So am I going to let somebody that did that to me have control of my future? No. To, To forgive is not to set them free. It's to set me free. telling you so I want us to lift our hands can we and I want you to say Jesus I give to you the offenses of my life the deep woundings the hurts somebody said something did something and sinned against me and hurt me But Lord, that's not to control my life. I relinquish it. I release it. Matter of fact, right now, I want everybody to say, Pastor Jeff, there's an offense. I need to get rid of it. I need to be healed of the wounding of it. I want you to come right now down. Come on. Come down right now. There's a wounding. There's a hurt. And I need to give it to God. I want to pray for you right now. Because this has got to go today. This has to go today. It has to go today. I want you to come now. There's a wounding in my heart. There's a hurt in my heart. There's, there's, a, 
There's a scar. There's, I, I haven't been able to fully shake it. And I need God to reach in and do what only God can do. All of you to my left here, come further over, can you? Just come up here where I can see you. And we're going to pray together in the name of Jesus. Because this has got to go. Jesus came to bind up the broken in heart. He came to open the prison door to those that are captive. He came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the liberty that the gospel brings. He came to set us free. And one thing that we've got to be free of is the woundings and the hurts that came from somebody that wronged us and offended us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you see these precious people right now. And Lord, how we need your touch today. All of you in the altar, raise your hand to the Lord. If in the audience you need to do the same, go right ahead. And just say, Lord, today, nobody can reach in where I need to be reached, but God the Spirit. I'm asking you to reach into my soul, reach into those hidden crevices deep in my soul. And Lord, touch me, heal me, free me, lift this off of me. The the bleeding, the hurt, the pain, the memories, lift them, Lord. Remove it, Lord. Heal me in my heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now say with me, Lord, I forgive. Go ahead and say it. Say it, Lord, I forgive. And I pray for them that you will heal them and help them and guide them into a place of health. I release it, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord, for healing in my soul. Thank you for the healing of God. Lift your hands now and just begin to thank Him. Just say, Lord, thank you. Have a thank session. Go ahead. Just begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for hearing us today. We thank you, Lord, for the gentle touch of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that nothing is greater than you, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank you that you're greater than the wound, greater than the hurt, greater than the memory, greater than the pain. Thank you that you're greater, stronger, and your healing reaches where no human can. Thank you for it, Lord. I want us to sing this now. Everybody, those of you in the altar and those of you out there, let's sing it. Come on, everybody. I surrender all. I surrender the wounding in Jesus' name.
about that. Or when you run into them at Walmart, hey, you don't run to the other aisle to avoid them. You ever had that experience? You're in Albertsons, going down with your cart, you see somebody that has been offended by you. They see you, you see them, they act like they didn't see you, you act like you didn't see them, and they ditch and they go to the other aisle to avoid you. And they're praying, I hope I don't get in the same checkout line as they are. No, you got to get to where you don't react. Amen? God wants us free. He wants us free. Free indeed. All right. Lord, I pray for every person here. As we get ready to go today, Lord, I pray that you will help our inner man to grow strong without any offense pulling us down. That we would be mighty in spirit like John the Baptist and you were. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to grow and for resisting any trap of Satan that would take us down. In Jesus' name, amen.